Parenting Radio. This is episode number 237. You want to know what Zen Parenting Radio is, sweetie? We haven't introduced ourselves. Oh, my name's Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Thank you, sweetie. That's why you're here. Uh-huh. You're here to keep me ship shape. Okay. Um, this is episode number 237, Zen Parenting Radio. Uh, it's about Kathy and Todd. Who's Kathy and Todd, no. you might ask? It's about other people. And and all the listeners. Yes. Um it's a show with a spiritual and emotional mom and me. I'm a logical and practical dad. We discuss transformational wisdom, everyday challenges, and pop culture to encourage laughter, self-awareness, and empathy. And we have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 12. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So first, I'm going to give you a preview on what we're going to talk about today. I read a very interesting blog um, on TheEconomist.com, and it's entitled The Weaker Sex, and it talks about how blue-collar men in rich countries are in trouble, and they must learn to adapt. And then you're going to talk about meta. What's meta? Um, it's a practice that we all can use, but we can, it's something that we can teach to our children, too. So I thought it might be helpful to... Not only integrate it for ourselves, but it's something that we can offer our kids. All right. Sounds good. But first, we're going to talk about a very exciting event that we have coming up, coming up in March of 2016, mm-hmm. and it's called Conference with People We Love. We should have a little Conference with People We Love jingle. We do. Remember, it was supposed to be Kickstart by Heart. Oh. We haven't used it since. Oh, well, I can change that, sweetie. I know. Just got to give me a second here. Kickstart my heart. Why is our conference with people we love, sweetie, called Kickstart My Heart? Well, it's not. It's just that right now, because we're so far away from the actual conference, because it's next year, we launched a Kickstarter campaign to build the community, to get the word out, also to sell really, I'd call them early, early bird tickets that have perks. Um, So jumping in on the campaign obviously helps us because it ensures that we have a solid base to make sure this conference goes, but it's also helpful to the person who backs us because they get some perks um, at the conference. If, for example, VIP seating or the ability to get in on, because uh, one of our speakers is Dr. Shafali, she's doing a keynote. She also is going to do a breakout session, but we can't have everybody at the breakout session. So people who jump on this Kickstarter opportunity get a chance to get their seat secured, um, plus getting to uh, our pre-conference workshop, yep. which can't house everybody, and that's on Friday night. Um, you know, just you have to at least look at it. So look at our um, Kickstarter campaign. It's on our website. It's on our show notes. It's on Facebook. Facebook. It's on my website. So the first place you can find it is mparentingradio.com. Click events, and it's real big right there. So one thing that we decided to do is we wanted to thank everybody who is supporting our Kickstarter mm-hmm. campaign. So do you have our list, sweetie? So actually, no matter what you – because you can also go in and just donate to the cause because you may not be able to attend, but you listen to the show a lot. You believe in what we're doing and you just want to support us. There are ways that you can – you know, can do that. We invite you and would love any support you can yeah, give Yeah, because every, even the small makes a big impact. So we appreciate that. So we um, are going to continue saying thank you to people who have supported us. So last time we got up to number 11, number 12 is Melissa. 
And Melissa what? Uh, some people just did their first names. Oh, really? Okay. Because they maybe knew they were going to be read on okay. air and they were just trying to. And then number 13 is Lee Kubilka. And number 14 is Tammy. And number 15 is Lorna Samadas and Jason. Lorna and Jason Samadis. Jason's in my men's group. Yes, and Lorna is in mine. So together they contributed. I'm going to promote our next men's group event at the end of the show, by the way. Nice. And then number 16 is the Daily Method Elmhurst. Thank you to them. We love them. We go there all the time. And then next are my parents, Judy and John Cassani. Thanks, John and Judes. Thank you. And then next is... Madeline McFadden, that's my niece. And then next is super fan, Carrie Kelleher. No, that's the wrong person I'm to just do kidding. that to. You know what? I call Carrie super fan number 99 yes. because we have a lot of wonderful fans, but I implore anybody to be a bigger fan than Carrie implore. Kelleher. I implore you. I am pl- I'm, <laughs> I'm imploring. So Carrie Kelleher, number 19. Number 20, Meredith Turner Higgins. Thank you, Meredith. Number 21, Manisha Lozier. And I bet that's Manisha and Chris Lozier. Uh, I don't see his name on there. Well, I know, but I'm willing to bet that's a family decision. So thank you to them. We love them. They've been on our show too. Number 22, Jennifer Rosenberg. Thank you, Jennifer. And we know her daughter because she was part of our BU group. Yes. So thank you to everybody who has supported us through this Kickstarter campaign. And if you want to get your name read on our show, it's an easy way of doing it. Um, But more importantly, we really appreciate you considering contributing to the cause because uh, it's going to be a wonderful event. Well, it's just fun to look at this list of backers because now we have 22 different people. And, you know, they're just wonderful people. And um, we're so thankful that they were willing to help us out. And um, one thing that Todd and I decided to do is once you're a backer, you get emails from us that they're kind of like blogs, just kind of updating you. And what we're going to do is we're going to do some bonus podcasts um, for people who become backers, you know, just real, just short ones, Yeah. but it's just our way of thanking you as these days continue Five minutes, on. 10 minutes, something like that. Probably more like 10 or 15, don't you think? Well, it depends how often we do it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you're right. Like we don't know what we're going to do. We're just going to do little bonuses here and there. Yeah. Um, and we have 23 days left. Yep. So, but don't let that deter you from jumping on now because the clock is ticking. Not only is the clock ticking, but some of the rewards that mm-hmm. we offer are, uh, limited, right. meaning only a certain number of people can get them. Well, and the other thing is if we don't hit our number, nobody donates anything. Right. We, we need, need to, to hit it. We need to get up to 15,000 and we're at... We're at about 7,000. We're almost halfway there. Yeah. Um, so that's good. But I feel we would good. like to blast the doors off of that number also. Yeah. So, that'd be great. Okay. Anyways. So our first partner is John J. Kelly, dentist extraordinaire. Uh, he does comprehensive dentistry. Um, but what I like to say, how I like to describe John J. Kelly is that one, he's one of the nicest guys in the whole wide world. That's right. And then um, when he looks at your teeth, he doesn't just try to straighten them. He focuses on facial de- facial development and airway. Mm-hmm. Long term um, health. Yes. Not just the momentary aesthetic. Yes. Not just I'm going to straighten these and leave you, but how are we going to make sure that your face develops appropriately because these are things Todd and I didn't know before, but yep. it can actually change it. Yep. Sure can. We've seen the pictures to prove yes, it. Yes, we have. So uh, chicagodentistoutline.com, 773-631-6844. All right. Um, so I read a blog in The Economist. I don't know. I'm not a 
I don't know this website, but it was interesting. Actually, one of the guys in my men's group posted this on my tribe Facebook page. And it talks about the weaker sex. Blue-collar men in rich countries are in trouble. They must learn to adapt. And the reason I want to bring this up today is because we talk a lot about the empowerment of women because it is so, so important. And um, I'm very proud of the fact that we focus a lot of our energy towards um, you know, these young girls and these women in our society. But I do feel like sometimes I like to balance things out. And this article kind of proved that. So the article starts out by saying, listen, we understand that it's a male dominated society and that 90% of presidents and prime ministers are male, all the big corporate bosses, they dominate finance, technology, film, sports, blah, blah, blah. So we understand that. But what they also talk about is that there's a cause for concern that men cluster at the bottom as well. What they say is that poorly educated men in rich countries have difficulty coping with the changes in our marketplace. So, in other words, back in the old days, um, you know, a man's value is based on their ability to be physical. You know, before the in- industrial revolution, it was all about if you're strong enough to like do all the work that it takes to do. And then the industrial revolution came around, and, and the men were still valued for their ability to be physical. Mm-hmm. But as our society kind of changes towards technology, this um, this physical nature gives us less advantages. It to, loses value. It loses value. Yeah. And these guys who are uneducated, and what I mean by that is that they don't have college degrees, so maybe they make it through a few years of high school, or maybe they just finish high school and that's it. There's not a whole lot of options for them. Um, it goes on to say, you know, women, on the other hand, are surging in expanding sector, sectors such as healthcare and education, uh, helped by their superior skills. As education has become more important, boys have fallen behind girls in school, except at the very top. Men lose jobs in manufacturing and often never work again. So um, I thought that that was interesting, and I'll kind of read another part of it. Um, it says that it... Uh, there's a think tank that says that they predict that the absolute number of single parent households will continue to rise in nearly all rich countries. Boys who grow up without fathers are more likely to have trouble forming lasting relationships, creating a, a cycle of male dysfunction. So we've talked about this. A lot of this is like mask you live in stuff, you know, that we're not allowed to experience our feelings. A lot of these men grow up without fathers and things like that. And it's well, coming back to bite us. There's double, there's like quadruple whammies because the cycle is boys are growing up without fathers and a lot of these boys are less educated. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these boys, because there's not role models for them, they don't, like you said, they can't access all the aspects of what it means to be a man. Mm -hmm. And they also, according to this article, I'm just taking the statistics here, are growing up in neighborhoods and places that may not be completely safe or have not only not great role models in the family, Mm -hmm. but great role models outside their door. Um, And so there are just so many things that are um, causing the problem and it's a a vicious cycle. So what do we do about it? You know, it's it's one thing to have the awarenesses. I think everything I just read or to, or what we just talked about is not something that's new, but what can we done? What can we do? And it's about changing our attitude towards what it means to be a man. And, you know, they say, you know, women have learned to be surgeons and uh, physicists without losing their femininity, 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 femininity. Wow. That's a hard word to say. <laughs> well, and that's still being worked on. Yeah. I mean, because really that's a pendulum thing yes. because women, 
did lose, if you remember from the 80s, we all wore suits and yeah, bows shoulder pads. And and sho- like there was a masculinity. What was with those shoulder pads, by the way? Well, it was, I mean, it was obviously a trendy thing, but when you think about it historically. Make, look more like a man. You, there was a masculinity there and wearing the ties and the bow ties. And the, we were just modeling ourselves after men where now I think the shift is can, instead of can we be like men? Mm-hmm. Can we do the same jobs men do, but bring our own femininity, femininity whatever that means? Because yeah. when we say femininity, a lot of people think dresses and pinks and skirts. No. That's not it. Strong women. Femininity is a very broad term. Right. Um, and so can we bring that to the table? So um, so what, one thing it says is men need to understand that, that traditional manual jobs are not coming back and they can be nurses or hairdressers without losing their masculinity. Mm. And today in 2015... You know, nurses, you know, that's, I, I don't think there's any stigma against no, We know male so many nurses. male nurses now. Well, remember and Meet the Parents? Yeah. Nice one, nurse. <laughs> nice one, nurse. Um, that's Ben Stiller's character. And he's a nurse. And, you know, I don't know, it just seems well, very normal. Well, actually, it's the butt of the majority of the jokes. Right. I know. But just speaking personally, like, I don't think there is any stigma neither for do I. me. Me neither. I mean, well, I can't speak for everybody. It's but. very, you know, we even had an experience, I'm thinking in my own personal experiences um, in a hospital and some of our favorite nurses, or I men. don't know if you remember when your mom yeah. was in the hospital, but one, one of those guys was like, I don't know, You, lo- it's a balance of both. It's not like we're saying, okay, men are better at mm-hmm. it. It's just, it's nice to have both energies. Right. And um, so keeping our minds open to that. I know, I know. So, um, and they also talk a little bit about policymakers, which I'm not going to really get into, but, you know, a few of the things that they talk about what this article talks about what you can do is early childhood education provides boys with more structure and a better chance for developing verbal and social skills. Um, but policymakers need to reinvent vocational education for an age when trainees are more likely to get jobs in hospitals and factories. I think the essence of this article is all about how, our, you know, we're a rich country. We live in the United States and all the jobs are moving towards, you know, non-physical labor. Exactly. And these kids who are grow up in a broken home and don't have uh, a lot a, of options. A lot of options. Of they get stuck and they start doing drugs and then they get in trouble and then there's no and it's like a cycle that kind of they don't churns. build relationships. They don't get that stability. And the the way I look at the this article is there's two different things. Obviously, vocational programs are huge. Um, and for those of you who aren't who aren't familiar with vocational programs, you know sometimes we look at the four year degree and we say that's what all of our kids have to do, and that's mm-hmm. not always true. There's plenty of things that kids can do, becoming apprentices and learning a trade. Um, and again, not just physical labor, but learning how to. I mean, Todd and I have said this a number of times on the show, but you know when you have a good plumber, yep. man, you hold on to that plumber because that's a, that is a skill set the, the majority of us don't have, and that's someone that's trained, you know, for a long period of time to learn these skills, and that is just one of so many, you know, in construction, all that this there's untapped industries. Right. Um, so vocational is one of the issues where we can kind of start to look at more than just a four year degree for every single person. Cause it's like this drop off, either it's high school and then nothing mm-hmm. or high school and then college. Did you listen to that NPR interview where they talked about how colleges are going to be different? Completely. And what, and the gist of it was, and help me if I'm don't remember this that well, you know, there's always going to be the four year college experience mm-hmm. where you go away and you live in the dorms and you're on your own and all that. But technology has advanced in such a way that these wonderful universities are are giving anybody the ability with a laptop the ability to take classes and for fractions of the cost. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's one thing that can kind of help 
save these uh, kids who don't have the money, who don't grow up in a household where they're where they can afford to go to a four way four four year re- university, um, because you can do it all online and you can get your different options. And that was going to be my next point is that the other piece, when we talk about education, a lot of times we talk about, oh, someone knows how to do math or they know history. Education is not just memorizing facts. It's a broadening of your world. So you see things differently and you're exposed to things in a different way where maybe in your home, it was very black and white or very, you know, you look at the world one way, women are this, men are this. What education does is it opens your world and your mind. So these boys who are not given education early, you know, head start programs maybe don't exist or they're being cut and then they kind of struggle all the way through school and they just can't wait to get out or they drop out mm-hmm. and then they don't continue on that it's not just about they don't know how to do algebra right it's that their world got stunted yep. they didn't get to see you know i remember um you know, working at uh, Children's Memorial, I worked with the schools a lot. And, you know, you'd you'd work with children in certain schools who had never been out of their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what about a field trip to the lake? Yeah. You know, they live in Chicago, but there's no money in that school to do that for right. them. So they don't even have a perspective that there's a world beyond their neighborhood. Well, and they need role models, too. I mean, look at our daughter's uh, school. There's, I can't think of more than one male teacher. In, yeah. in their um, elementary school. Yeah. Maybe there's more than one, but... Uh, there might be some, but you know, when you think, I don't think so, Todd. You know? I think there's one male teacher. Like, now, middle school is different. Yes. I find, I found personally, because my undergrad was in elementary education, that the majority of people in my elementary education program were girls. Mm-hmm. But then when you got into secondary education, which is more high school level, it was more male. So why is that a job where it's dominated by females. And I think it's a perception thing. Like why? I think there's the nurturing aspect and I'm not saying men don't have the nurturing aspect. I think societally we've been trained that women can be more touchy feely with children because really when you get K through third, there's a lot of hugging and, you know, a lot of um, crying and a lot of, there's a more mother component, um, which men have the capability to handle, but it's not Well, these men who become teachers, they become teachers six through high school exactly. through college secondary so have you ever seen a male kindergarten teacher man i don't think so if we have a listener who's a male kindergarten teacher Let us will know. you email us yeah. and tell us about your experience yeah. common sense and parenting radio.com because we know you're out there some you know we know there's people who do that and i bet the kids love, love you him. that's right <laughs> so I know. so anyways i thank you for listening to me talk about this just because you know i'm I run a men's group. I'm part of Mankind Project, which is a larger men's group. And um, it's so easy to only focus on how male dominate, you know, how men dominate corporate America and, you know, politicians and everything else. But there is this whole sector of men who are kind of being left out. And maybe if nothing else, what we did was maybe change the perception just a little bit. Well, and that, again, for all of us, we're all in this together. And so if we want perceptions to change for women, we have to help the boys whose experience is limited where they don't even understand – They've never even been exposed to looking at women in a different way. And so it's not just a we need to rise up and forget everybody else. We need to – kind of support everybody. Well, and I feel like this is a good time for me to promote my own men's group. Um, I run a men's group called The Tribe, and the website is thetribemensgroup.com. And it's um, we're having a meeting. We have a meeting once a month at our house. And we have a meeting coming up this month. And instead of us talking about our shadow or talking about career versus 
uh, purpose. I mean, we talk about a lot of wonderful things. This meeting coming up, and I'm saying this out loud because if there's any male listeners in the Chicagoland area that want to join us, um, it is play like we're 12 years old meeting. So usually there's a fee uh, associated with the meeting, but this month we there is no fee. Mm. And it's just the only reason for us to convene is to play stuff. So we're going to play wiffle ball. We're going to play baseball. We're going to play some flag football. We're going to play. We have a pool across the street from my house. We're going to go swim. We're going to have fun. It's all about fun and play like we're 12 years old because as a man, you're just so stuck in your job and you're so stuck being a dad. There's no room for play. So we're making some room for play. So if you're interested at all, uh, it's a free open meeting. And if you have any interest in joining us on Tuesday, June 23rd, send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. All right. If it's cold out, are you going to force people to go outside and play baseball? Yes. Just like I did yesterday. That was fun. I was forced to go outside and play baseball. Thank you, I, sweetie. I love baseball. You got I, a good cut. I know. I can hit just fine. It's just I was so cold and you were I wanted I said, Well, I'll bat and you said you can't bat until you field. You I were, know. You were not nice to me. Sorry. But then I caught I became a catcher. Yeah, you did. And I eased we, my way in. We got you out there. I know. I like it. It's, it's just it's kind of a rule. Like you can't bat because bat batting is the funnest part about it. And if you just bat, then it's funnest a word. I really want to know that for real. I'm not making fun of you. I use that. Funnest. Most fun. Most fun. I think it's most fun, right? I'm going to go with funnest. You know, and I ask the question because a lot of things, when they're used over and over again in our culture, we start to embrace them as being like, you know, not the grammar, you know, technicians, but we start to just say it's fine. Sweetie, Grammar Girl says, it may just be my skewed perspective, but it seems to me that the more people we're talking about whether funnest is a real word them were talking about iPads. That doesn't make any sense. What does that mean? I don't know. Okay, Grammar Girl, help us out. Yeah, that's not really help. This is the beginning to change as the one-word forms have gained ground. One-word forms. That's So what she's saying is the whole they're gaining ground is sometimes it's a wave where so many people use it that you can't throw up the, that it's not the okay. stop sign and say, no, that's not okay. But anyway, you, what you were trying to say was that it's more fun you can't just go up and bat and yeah. not work. It's like eating dessert without your meal. But what if I batted and then I went out in the field? No problem, as long as I knew that. Okay. I didn't know. I thought you were just going to swing the swing the bat and then sit back down. No, and then I had to go field all the long ones. Yeah, you did great. Did I? Yes, you did. In the field? And we're going to have a softball team we in are. August for we a are. charity It's an parenting softball team. So our second partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Their number is 630-941-8733, and it's chirotree.com. Dr. Kelly does an amazing job with me and you and our three daughters. You actually missed your appointment last week. Am I in trouble? Well, you. I said that you would take care of, because you took the girls to the dentist. Yeah. we had, we were at, You were at one Dr. Kelly and Skyler and I were we at love our Dr. Dr. Kelly's. <laughs> so anyway, I really meant to tell you that. Got it. I'm doing it on air. Working on it. Okay. It's on the list. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's meta, sweetie? Okay. So meta is something that I, I just feel like it keeps coming up for me. I mean, I learned about it a long time ago. Many of you may know what it is, especially if you practice meditation or yoga, but it's literally d- the definition is the practice of loving kindness. And sometimes people use it as a descriptor. Like I was listening to an NPR interview the other day, or it wasn't an interview. He was doing a uh, um, a review of a movie, and he said it's actually quite meta. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it gets used in – it's become kind of one of those words. Okay. But what the true definition of meta is, it's a practice of loving kindness and – Love 
and kindness? Loving. Loving kindness. kindness. Okay. And the the four sentences that are to be spoken internally, and obviously they could be external too, but okay. usually it's part of a meditation, is may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be strong, and may you live with ease. Now, I have these taped in my meditation area, but I changed it a little bit mm-hmm. just because – um, and I think we always have the ability to do that. It's whatever words work Can best for you. Can you say them one more time, sweetie? Sure. May you be happy. Yeah. May you be safe. Safe. May you be strong. May you live with ease. Safe, happy, safe, strong, ease. Got it. And even though I love the word happy and I love you know research about happiness, I find that when I meditate, happy doesn't work for me because happy to me feels like an emotion that – what I'm really looking for is peace. And so I start with, may you be peaceful. Um, and then with the safety one, uh, I, when I hear safe, it makes me, and again, you can only, this is just me, but it locks me up Mm -hmm. because it makes me feel like I'm needing to protect myself. Um, and so I say, um, may you feel calm. So these, you know, calm is kind of like, yeah. So Meta, again, this is the true definition and what everybody would call meta, but whatever language works for you. And here's why it's important. Because when the whole process of practicing meta is you direct it to yourself first. Mm -hmm. You're saying, may you be happy. You're directing it at yourself. But what ends up happening if you go through an entire meta meditation is then you direct it outwardly and you direct it first to people you love and then you direct it to people who challenge you. Mm. And why you do that is, again, we have to, you know, and many people say, I don't want to direct love and kindness at, at someone who challenges me. But when someone challenges you, what's really happening is they are so stuck in their own pain that they're probably spreading their pain around, right? So we want to solve the problem by just being mad at them and thinking that's going to change something, but it's not. What's really going to help them is having sharing peacefulness with Mm -hmm. them because the more peaceful they are, the less they are going to challenge you. Mm -hmm. So again, even though this is somewhat of a spiritual nature, meaning that us chanting it or using it in a meditation or just processing it, it's not going to be maybe the only change agent they need, even though I do believe in the power of sending good vibes. I've always believed in it. So just to be clear, you're not saying that you have to call up the person who's challenging you and saying, I'm sending you love. No, here you do this on your own. The reason that you do this is because a lot of the anxiety that we carry around is based on how we're feeling about other people. I don't feel good about this situation. I don't feel good about this person. And so we're all like blocked up and we'll blame them and say, well, they made me feel this way. Well, I mean, maybe their actions did cause a reaction in you, but then once the reaction is caused, you get to decide what to do with that. So if we, we can sit in a, in quiet and curse them. But how are you going to feel when you're help? done? Right. You're going to feel crappy. You're going your ego will love it. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I you know, and again, I mentioned this on a show a couple of weeks ago. I had a girlfriend mention to me that part of the reason she doesn't like talking to me when she's struggling is she doesn't want to hear that she should be forgiving. Yeah, because she doesn't want to forgive. Right. She's like, I don't want to do that right then. My only thing about that is, and I learned this from Ed Bacon's book. Yeah. If you don't have the strength to forgive somebody. 
you pray or meditate, whatever your term is, for the ability to one day do it. And that's and that's beautiful. So if you really don't feel like you can forgive or you just feel like being mad, because I think being angry with people is a habit. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's our natural way of being. It's familiar. It's familiar. People will say, well, that's how human beings are. I think we've gotten to that point where I, when I'd get annoyed at you or, you know, get annoyed at a friend or get annoyed at somebody at work or whatever, which still happens. But when I do that, it'd be such a habitual, like I'm going to stew in this and I'm going to make them feel bad. And it gives me an excuse to not take responsibility for whatever's going on in me. Right. So it's habitual and what the whole what I'm what meta is is it's a tool to shift our focus from stewing in anger which having you know again having anger there's no problem like the anger comes up and you're like yep I'm pissed off I'm angry you can't keep from being angry what you can shift in there is how long am I going to sit in this because people sit in it for lifetimes. Decades. People sit in it for weeks. They sit in, you know, like I've had people say to me, people, and again, I don't think this is going to shock a lot of our listeners. They'll be talking about a partner that they're, you know, their, their spouse and they'll say, yeah, we didn't talk for a week. And I don't know, I don't know how that's possible. How do you go through a week and not, and I don't mean because, oh, you know, we're so loving all the time, but how do you run a household if you're so angry that you're not talking for a whole week? Yeah. What's that about? I don't know. Many meltdowns. That's our that's our secret, sweetie. I get. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, if you're that mad, then first priority is come home at lunch or today after school. We're getting a babysitter, and we are going to hash this out yeah. today or maybe tomorrow or yeah. today. But why is that not first priority? Why are we letting weeks go by and say, "Well, I'm going to stew in this"? And my answer to that is working with the people I've worked with, and from my own personal experience, I'm not immune to this is that we kind of like that. Yeah. It's on a, it's, we feel powerful with that anger. It feeds the ego. It feeds the ego. Ego loves to be important. It loves to be important and loves to be like, I know what's up and mm. they don't know what's up and I'm making good choices and they're not making good choices. It's an us choices. and them. It's yes. division. You are, you know, you're, I'm not going to deal with your stuff. Another kind of spiritual quote that I remember from our good friend Wayne Dyer is, God laughs at the word too. Oh. T-W-O. Oh. So in other words, two is, um, you know, it's all about oneness. Right, right, right. And ego loves the word two because that's course. a division. That's a separateness. So that may work for some of you out there listening. It may not. But I uh, that totally connected with me. Well, and, you know, in the bigger perspective of what Todd just said is when you understand, this is, again, a meta thing, that we're all connected, we're all one, we're all intertwined, then all you want to send to other people is loving kindness mm-hmm. because then that's what you're sending to yourself. If we decide to cast our anger out at the world or at this person and then we'll say, well, I don't cast it out in the world. I just cast it out of my boss. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Yeah. If we decide to cast our anger out, then really it's a, you know, we can call it karma. We can call it universal principles. We can call it Newton's third law. We can call it just knowing that we're one. It comes back. I was uh, just listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson. For some reason, I've been listening to that guy a lot. He's an astrophysicist, and he says the most important picture ever taken is the first one that they took when they're out in outer space taking a picture back at the globe because it's the first time any human being has ever seen the world from a distance. The world from a distance. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had globes, but we didn't really know for sure what it looked like. And it's against the blackness, the backdrop of space, 
and it's just a, a humbling, unbelievably beautiful picture that we've all seen a million times. But if you ever want to put a picture of uh, anything on your vision board, that's one thing I'm thinking about doing for me. Well, and I remember uh, we screened a movie called The Empowerment Project a couple weeks ago, and one of the women who spoke in the movie was an astronaut, and she talked about how when you get – when you start to move away from the Earth and mm. you can see it, how quickly – everything disappears where everything is just kind of the same color. Everything blends into each other. And again, you're understanding the metaphor here that you, she said, the only way you can detect a big city is there's a little more sparkle there, but it's not like you literally see a building. She's like, there's just a little more sparkle. And that all of a sudden you recognize that it's all just one big clump. Yep. You know, we're just all big clumps. And we don't matter as much as we think we do. And our problems certainly don't matter as much as we think they do. So it's it's the and but. Yeah. Um, which I that's from my friend Annie. She always talks about and buts. We matter not that much, and we matter immensely mm-hmm. because each of us affects what's happening. Yeah, right. So are, do we make a huge impact? A massive impact. Right. But are we that important in yeah. our own scheme of things? No. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, well, how could, that's the paradox. Yeah. We we have to recognize that, you know, just because we were walking to the school to pick up our daughter and someone walked by and didn't say hi, <laughs> that's not going to ruin the events of the world. Another thing, same Neil deGrasse Tyson, and we've known this forever, but we're stardust. We're literally yes, dust we're stars. from the stars. And that's just a crazy thing. And and there's a YouTube video that maybe I'll connect with on our show notes. But when you think that, you know, you're frustrated at your relative or your boss or your employee, and then you think, oh my gosh, I came from a star. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. We are literally stardust. Like we, that's, you know, they exploded and they have become the particles that we we are made. And then at the same time, I just did a, uh, you know, on the more physical, biological, uh, I just did another uh, sex talk with fifth graders last week. And one of the things that I love to talk to them about is how crazy it is that we become what we are, Mm -hmm. you know, a sperm and an egg meet and it separates and all these crazy things happen and there's just perfection. And 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 when I use that word perfection, I don't mean it uh, visually. I mean it like how it all works out and how we do nothing to make that happen. We we as parents don't stand there and go, okay, now grow your mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay, now it just happens. And we tend to just take that for granted and say, yeah, I'm pregnant and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, Miracle. Absolute miracle. And then you come out and you're, when you understand that you're made of stardust. Well, recently you just, you know, one of the girls cut their knee or whatever, and you said something to them to the effect of the minute you cut your knee, your body goes to work. Absolutely. It starts working. Knows exactly what to do and how to fix it without us doing anything. Anything. That's crazy. You know, you can put, you know, put a cloth on it to help it stop bleeding. Mm -hmm. You can help your body. Mm -hmm. But what's so cool is as soon as, you know, you cut your knee and it gushes initially. Right. And then it slows down. Yep. So your body is already, that that blood is becoming sticky. Yep. The spot is beginning to close. Mm -hmm. And then the next day you're like, okay. I know. I remember another aha moment you had, and it was in regards to um, you planted some tomatoes and you kind of looked at them and you're like, oh my gosh. I'm growing food. You're like, these things come out of the ground. They come out of the ground. Of course they do. But you were in a place where you're like, oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. just crazy. That, that. that They started as a little seed. Yeah. And then I have a tomato. And I can eat it. And you and can it's eat good it. good for me. And it's nourishing. And we know, here, I'm going to blow your mind even more. We know now 
that tomatoes that grow in our individual yards have the necessary nutrients that our family needs. Crazy. (laughs) What that means is if someone in another state grows tomatoes in their backyard, that tomato is different than our family's tomato. Even though it may be the same seed, Mm -hmm. this is just new. I think, uh, where did I read that? I've read that last summer where they're finding that that tomato is shaped in a way that's beneficial to our family. Now, you're going to say to me, how is that possible? I don't know. There's things that I don't question. But this is going back to Todd's article about the men. Do you understand how when I stand over a tomato – and I say, oh, my God, this is growing out of the ground and my children are going to eat this this summer. And I get my mind blown. That's awareness and education is that's what has to keep growing in us. And when we have kids who haven't been educated, who nobody is expanding their brain, nothing seems important. Yep. Nothing seems valuable. And we have to keep um, helping children and adults growing in their awareness. So – Going back to the meta thing, the reason why this is really lovely is because obviously you can do this for yourself and, you know, have this kind of meditation. And, and I'm using the word meditation, but all of you who listen to the show know it's just about having quiet. You can do this in your car. You Sitting know? in quiet. You're waiting for your child at a at ballet or at a sporting activity and you're sitting in your car and you close your eyes and you, in your mind, think these things, you know, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be strong, may you live with ease. And then you bring into your mind the people you love and you send that loving kindness to them. And then you bring in people who challenge you and you send loving kindness to them. Now, the the you have to practice it to have this experience, but you can imagine how you feel when you open your eyes. You feel better. You feel loving kindness. I'm not saying then, you know, flowers start growing everywhere. It just is that there is a shift. It's an actual thing you can do. So with your kids, when they're struggling, when they're feeling anxious, when they're angry at a friend, um, when things don't seem to be going their way, help them learn these four sentences or have them write them the way they would like to, you know, just like the way that words are important to me, I need to shift it a little bit. So it, it impacts me in the way I'm looking for. Ask your kids, what would you write? Mm-hmm. You know, may, may I be calmer? May I be, um, what are some other words that kids like to patient. use? May I be patient? May these are, you know, like Kids, um, may I feel surrounded by love? Because a lot of kids I talk to, especially pre-adolescent, feel lonely. Even though they're surrounded by people, they still feel lonely. May I feel less alone? May I feel more connected? And give them that so they can practice that before bed. Mm -hmm. You know, you can say it out loud with them. Um, It can be like a prayer. Um, Or you can just have that written so they can read it. And uh, give them that tool because if they can take that into their everyday life, um, that could change Better yet, give it to yourself and then share it with your kids because they're more likely to do it if they see you doing it. Or if you post it on your bathroom mirror, they will be like, oh, what's that? Or that's what you talked to me about that day. Exactly. And the, you know, we can't just say to our kids, you need to do this. I was part of this group, um, long story, but it was a Facebook group and we were, and everyone was talking about how do we get our kids to meditate? How do we get our kids to do yoga? How do we get, and you guys, you can't force your kids to do something that you're not in Doing. some way practicing. Yeah. Maybe, Or you can, but it's not going to go very well, or it's not likely to go very well. Well, it's so dictatorial. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to do anything. Do what I say, not, not as what I, I do. do. And if you want your children to experience yoga, <clears throat> excuse me, 
you experience yoga and then and then demonstrate mm-hmm. or say, do you want to come to a practice with me? You think you're going to get JC to yoga this summer? I don't know. I was telling my youngest daughter is doing a wonderful kids yoga yeah. that she really likes a lot, which is wonderful because she chose it. Yeah. You know, you would think, okay, well, Kathy's a yoga teacher. Todd does yoga. We're forcing her to do this. Mm-hmm. She's seen it her whole life. And this is the first time she said, I want to do this class, yeah. um, which is great. But my oldest daughter is a runner and she's going to be running for this camp all summer, like running every day. And I said to her at breakfast the other day, maybe you can come to yoga with me once a week just to keep your flexibility up and give your body a break. Um, And she kind of was she may not, yeah. but I want to give her that option because she doesn't. She's grounded, sweetie. Yeah, she's going to go in a corner. That's right. Um, but Lots I would time out. I would like her to know that if she wants to go, she can go with yeah, me. Yeah. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to make it available to her. That's it. That's it. And then you leave That's it all alone. We do. So um, what you said the first one is may you be what, sweetie? May you be happy. Really sick of that song. Oh man. What about this one? Love this song. Do you? you There's a whole bunch of them. To be, but we lost it. And why did you play that? Because it's called My Happy Ending. Oh, My Happy Ending. Thank you. I was like, well, what's the connection? But yeah, I love Avril. Just you know that Avril... With Ed- Not that's quite Cheryl the right Crow. thing. Well, no, I just like Cheryl Crow, but I never liked that song. Well, plus that song is... Uh, kind of a slam. Yeah, kind If of it a makes slam. you happy. Yeah. Why does it make you so sad? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, I was going to say that Avril Lavigne was diagnosed with Lyme disease this year. And she was – and I'll bring that up because I just read um, that ticks are crazy this summer. Now, we live in Illinois, for those of you who listen in different parts, um, but – it's one of those things that you don't need to be super afraid. Our daughter had a tick. Yeah. We've talked about this on the show and it scared me initially, but it really majority of ticks do not carry mm-hmm. Lyme disease. But um, if you, your child has a tick and then, or maybe you detected it or didn't Is detect this a public it, service announcement. Yeah. And then you see kind of like a circle, uh, like a swollen circle with a red circle inside in inside of it. Uh-huh. That is, can be a sign of Lyme's disease. Okay. And if you treat it, then you're going to be okay. Right. It needs what, to be treated. What happens is if it goes untreated, then it kind of attacks your body mm-hmm. and it can be really challenging. Yeah. You can survive it. Yeah. It just is challenging. And it's similar to, we did a show about Kawasaki disease. Uh, our friends, Chris and Manisha Lozier, their daughter was diagnosed. And it's the same thing where if you catch it, yeah. um, you can have treatment. Yeah. But if you don't, then, um, you know, you're left with challenges. So anyway, check out, look for those ticks. Anything else on Meta? Because then we got to move on. Um, move on. I think that um, I'm going to read this to All finish because right. you always ask me for, I know we're not completely done, but words of wisdom about meta. The world with everything in it that appears to us is created and perceived as such by our own mind and shared by all beings with whom we have mental habits in common. If we can improve our mental qualities by developing loving kindness, which is meta, then the world will reflect that back to us as a world of love and peace. Very good, sweetie. Thank you. Ready for a quick listener question? Sure. Thank you for responding to my previous comment. I'm going through past episodes and just heard the one on ticks and the other where you talk about reminding your daughter to eat mindfully. About she? Are you kidding me that no. this question is about ticks? No. Okay. Well, it's not about ticks, but she brought up ticks. I know, but that's it's crazy. a great 
um, what's the word? Synchronicity. Yeah. That's crazy. My, okay. my five-year-old bites his nails and chews on his T-shirts, particularly, particularly when he's anxious. How can I support him in ending this habit without increasing his anxiety? Now when I point out he's biting his nails, he will... He will tell me he's just pretending when he obviously is biting his nails. Such a great kid thing. <laughs> I'm just pretending. <laughs> I love that. I'm just pretending. And he doesn't respond when I ask him if something is on his mind. Before we do that, are you going to say what I was, was going to say Skyler. Skyler was like uh, pretending to hit. She was sitting in the backseat with Cameron <laughs> and she was doing and she, well, go ahead, Todd. Um, so she, whatever, they were, they were bugging me in the backseat. <laughs> I was in the front. They were bugging me because they were being loud and they were like fighting with each other or whatever. Fighting funny, but even fighting funny is loud. too loud. Yeah. I just wanted to not hear them. <laughs> so she, I said something like, Skylar, did you hit your sister? She says, no, I was pretend hitting her and then an accident happened. <laughs> Love it. So I was pretend hitting and then there was an accident. So anyways, okay. um, so, he doesn't respond when I ask him if, if something is on his mind. What do you think? Okay. So here's the thing when our children have things that they do that are typically um, demonstrations of their own anxiety or, you know, moving some energy out. I'm just realizing what she meant by ticks, she's talking about visual ticks. Okay. Not the other ticks. Visual ticks. Because I was with you. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But yeah, this is like maybe one of his ticks. I don't know. So the the difference for everybody who's listening is the uh, there's ticks that are little buggies that get stuck, you know, in your head or in your body. And then there are ticks, which are like uh, facial or body, like Clearing your throat. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe like blinking your eyes a yeah, lot. Right. And some people have kind of a habitual, it's kind of like a stuck, repeated pattern that they do. And oftentimes it's a it's a clearing of anxiety. Yeah. And it's really nothing to to worry about. I Stutter? Noticed, Stuttering I noticed, a tick? Yes. Okay. I notice ticks in people a lot. And I'll say, just because I used to work with kids who had tick disorders, so it's just something that I, and I don't. pick up on. But I will say to Todd, yeah, and that, you know, that child had a tick. And he'll be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but it's just a repetitive thing. And so what she's talking about is sucking on a shirt, which a lot of boys and girls do, biting nails. A lot of kids pick scabs. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of kids pick cuts mm-hmm. or... Um, and again, this is different than cutting. Yeah. That's, that's a whole different thing. But what they're doing is they're relieving their anxiety and focusing their attention on something that helps them kind of stay neutral, okay, right. or get rid of an energy. And so instead of looking at it as something like, kid, you need to stop this, they don't have, I'm not saying they can't yeah. stop it, but it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm going to take that back. They can't stop. They're not even conscious of what they're doing a lot of the time to do something that they're not, they're not conscious of. That's the way I'll say it. So can they eventually learn to stop? Yes. But when you're yelling at them, did they even know they were doing it? So instead of looking at it as they're trying to be manipulative or, you know, not listen to you, look at it through that lens. And so what you can be instead of the worried parent who tells them they're gross or tells them how they're going to spread germs and all these things that are kind of shameful. Mm -hmm meaning you're making them feel shamed, is be someone who helps them in their awareness. Um, like when uh, one of my daughters was really little, she loved to pick, you know, and I think all kids do. Mm-hmm. And I would say things to, you know, especially they'd be bleeding. I'd say, oh, did you pick your skin again? And they'd say, oh, yeah, I did. I picked my skin. And I said, just so you remember, your skin needs you yeah. to take care of it. And if you can be loving towards your skin, that's like one of your biggest responsibilities. And so what I was trying to integrate was I can't be there every second. 
meaning I can't control whether or not she's picking her skin, but the awareness that I wanted her to start connecting was you are harming yourself when you do this. Now, as far as sucking on shirts, it's the same kind of thing where what ask your child say, and again, calmly, calm tone, not you're making me embarrassed, but I notice you suck on your shirt. Tell me what you're feeling when you're sucking on your shirt. Normalize it for them rather than making them feel gross. And then when they say, well, I'm feeling anxious, what are some other things you can do? Because you have to replace the behavior rather than just tell them to stop. You know, it's like pacifiers. Well, I'm just going to take your pacifier and you're not going to have any way to soothe yourself. Mm. That's really tough. Yeah. Or I'm going to say, don't chew your nails, just sit with your anxiety. That's really tough. Well, the other thing I would say is that a lot of times we don't parent from the present moment. I mean, you know, if he was 10, I'd be like, yeah, maybe you need to work with him. He's five and I know he probably goes to school or whatever. But a lot of times we're like, oh my gosh, if I don't stop this now, he'll be 13 year old sucking on a shirt. And he's not going to. And he's not going to. And then the other thing is maybe we can give him a place of where he does that. Like he can suck on a shirt. Go into your room, you know, hang out in your room when you're sucking on your shirt or Or give him a washcloth. Yeah. You know, like if that really feels soothing, you know, like instead of sucking on your shirt, can you, can I give you a really cold washcloth and you suck the water mm-hmm. off of it. Mm-hmm. And again, I I think what we're trying to do in this process is obviously bring him into the mix, but understand his behavior rather than be condescending toward his behavior because we all have things we do. For the kid who bites his nails and uh, sucks on his shirt, there's the adult that has a glass of wine or has a cigarette. Yep. We all yeah. do things that calm our feelings. And that's just the coping mechanism he has right. at this time. Yep. And so let's help him shift it to, to well, one that's not. I don't know how many of our daughters had stutters, but. Yeah, um, at least two of them. I mean, we could have tried to beat that out of them. Instead, we didn't do diddly squat about it and they went away. They moved through it. Yeah. So anyways, hopefully that helps a little bit. We do have one iTunes review from Shanghai. Okay. And it's great inspiration. A must listen for all parents and couples. Five stars. So thank you. Thank you. To Shanghai. Much appreciated. Um, so other than that, I just think that we are uh, Jeremy Craft, Avid Company, yep. painting and remodeling yep. throughout the Chicagoland area. we got to get him over here this summer to paint our walls again. Working on it. <laughs> it's on the list. 630-956-1800. Um, Kickstarter, please, please, please consider supporting us, even if it's something small. Um, we can use the help, and hopefully you can help. This conference could change a lot of lives. That's right. That's, that's our hope. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, anything else, sweetie? I think that is all. Um, words of wisdom? I already gave them, remember? Sun's out, guns out. That's right. Adios. Have a good week. <laughs>